I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 158 in which I've got some reviews and I'm recording this on Saturday, May 31st, 2014 in the afternoon. I want to start out by saying thank you so much to everybody for listening, especially if there's any new listeners out there. Also, thank you for anybody who has left iTunes reviews and I am pleased to say say that uh, New Zealand's in the house, so... (laughs) Thank you, New Zealand, for leaving a review as well. If you don't know what that refers to, you'll have to listen to past episodes. Um, I'm going to start out with just one announcement. I do have some Sandy update, and then I've got a boatload of things that I have used, um, some book reviews I've actually put off. I've had these books for a little while, but because I had other things I was talking about, I haven't talked about them yet, so I'm going to cover those today, plus some products I've had a chance to test out a little bit. So it's going to be a full episode. I'm going to try to um, keep things kind of moving along because I'd also really like to get to listener feedback since I haven't been able to do that in a while. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get started. My announcement is that yes, it has been duly confirmed that Tanisha and I will be doing another band book challenge this year. So start getting ready for that. Band Book Week is September 21st to 27th, I believe. I looked it up very quickly earlier this week. Um, Tanisha and I haven't had a chance to really talk about how it's all going to work yet because she's off doing bookish things right now. Um, But we will, you know, within the next couple of months, be able to start talking about what the parameters are, that kind of thing. But I don't imagine it'll change all that much from past Band Book Challenges. So... If you want to get a jump on us and and kind of look at what we've done in the past, just search either of our blogs for the Band Book Challenge and you'll find past year's references. The Flickr group is still up there somewhere, linked somewhere. So um, I've already started to try to think through what book I might do this year. So again, the Band Book Challenge will be happening. We'll be starting to announce the information about that probably fairly soon since Band Book uh, Week is in September. So... Oh, the other idea I was going to say is do try contacting your local public library to see if they would like to display your quilt or get your guild to do it and display a bunch of quilts. I did that last year. Um, We had a handful of quilts from my guild, but then apparently there's also a quilt group that meets in the library itself, which I didn't know about, and two or three of them also contributed. We didn't have a bunch of quilts. I think we had six or seven altogether, and they're all quite small. But the library did a great job displaying them, and they were very excited to um, have that happen as well as part of their Band Books Week uh, observance, celebration, whatever you want to call it. And so I've already sent off an email to my contact at the library to find out if uh, they're interested in us doing that again this year. So do try contacting your own local public library to see if they would like to display your quilt or anybody else's that um, you can talk into doing the challenge as well. So that's all there is on that so far. Sandy update. Um, As you know, I was out of town last weekend over Memorial Day weekend, and then we got home 
uh, Monday just in time to dump our suitcases in the house, throw on a baseball cap, and head out to meet my husband's family at a baseball game. We have a minor league team here um, in my hometown that is one of the farm teams for the uh, Minnesota Twins now. It used to be Baltimore Orioles, but now they're the Twins. Uh, so it's a you know, kind of a fun hometown sort of thing to go to. And we had a beautiful weather all weekend, beautiful weather for the game. So that was a lot of fun, but it did mean I got nothing done sewing wise that whole weekend. Um, and it's been, you know, my weeknights, both the week before Memorial Day and the week after, um, have been pretty busy. Again, a lot of conference calls and I've been out a couple of nights, that kind of thing. So it's really only been, let's see, Thursday, I was able to get some stuff done. Uh, not so great yesterday, but I'll be talking about that in a minute. And then today I've gotten some work done. And in fact, today I'm recording this episode now. Typically I do try to do it on Sundays, but my entire family's out of the house for most of the rest of the day. So I thought, you know what, this would be a better opportunity <laughs> to record the podcast when I don't have to worry about anybody interrupting me or who else might be listening in or trying not to hear, whichever the case may be. Besides, I needed a break from what I was working on. So my update of what I have gotten accomplished, the baby quilt that I had done based on Jackie's uh, Burdick of Sew Design, so Excited Quilt Designs, uh, the top is pieced. And as I talked about it before, I hadn't really known what I was going to do with it. I kind of figured I was going to donate it. Well, since then, since when I got home from my Memorial Day weekend, I got word that a, a friend of mine and a woman who's been a mentor for me for years has been diagnosed with breast cancer. She's going to be having surgery sometime very soon. And I happened to walk into my office after I'd gotten this news and saw um, the center of that. And I thought, you know what, that's such a beautiful sunny color uh, to that baby quilt that I think I'm going to now give that to her, finish it off and give it to her. It will need borders, however, so I need to take a trip with it to a quilt shop because right now it's baby-sized, and that's not very useful for a grown-up. So I need to throw some borders on there to bring it out a little bit more to a size that it might make a nice lap quilt. I'm probably not going to get much bigger than that, but at least, you know, she'll be able to cuddle with it on the couch or whatever. Um, so now that it does actually have a destination, that does mean I've moved it up the list as to what I need to get done when. Unfortunately, that means I've got several things I'm trying to get done all at once, which always feels a little bit stressful, but we'll work it through. I am almost done with the Craftsy class I've been working on for the last couple of months. Uh, this is Ann Peterson's Beyond Basic Machine Quilting. I'm kind of getting to the point now where I'm going to have to decide how much more I'm actually going to do. We're, we've done all the major sewing at the quilt designs at this point, and now we're getting into the very small filler kinds of stitches. And I am going to have to probably decide, I'll practice everything a little bit, but am I actually going to try to finish this entire quilt project, or will I just do enough to get a feel for whatever design we're working on and whatever technique she's teaching, and then just move on and, and apply those to other projects. So I think I'm on lesson number 10 out of 12, but the I, lesson 10's got like three or four kind of fairly complex <laughs> designs we're working on. Um, now, the one I just did today uh, actually was very simple because it's exactly the same leaf that I just used for Walk in the Woods. So I watched her demonstrating it and I was like, oh man, I got this one. Sat right down, whipped it off, no problem. Um, 
but I believe the next couple in the lesson are a little more complex. So that's why I decided, okay, good time for me to take a break, record a podcast episode, and then go back to it. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not saying the, the project that I'm completing is probably nothing that I will ever really hang on my wall, although it's, you know, it's not, it's not turning out badly. Um, it's also not great. It's my practice project. Uh, in the class, of course, she suggests having a practice piece and then working on this project when you feel more confident. I had decided at the outset, my project for the class is my practice piece. This is, I'm not doing it twice. I'm doing whatever she teaches me. I'm then doing on the project. So yeah, there's some places that are a little more wonked than others, but it's actually not turning out too bad. Uh, so we'll see when I've got it all finished. Um, I am pleased to say, and this is part of the reason I'm really pushing myself to keep working on this class right now when I've got so many other projects I really need to get done, is everything in this class has been directly applicable to other projects I need to get finished, which is really nice. Um, most, probably most so with uh, the special project I've been able to start working on now, which is um, the one that I'm doing for my friend whose daughter is graduating from high school. And I now know her graduation date because um, this woman happened to mention it on a conference call we were on recently. And I've only got like a week and a half, maybe two weeks left. Um, so I'm doubting it's actually going to get done in time for her graduation, but it shouldn't be too far off of that. Um, although then I do have a little bit of grace period because the, the mother is going on a trip for two weeks. So if I don't get it to her before graduation, then I might give myself that extra <laughs> two weeks to get it done. Um, but that one is the one I'm doing it's a very small piece, or it's going to be a small piece. Right now I'm working on a fat quarter size, but it's going to get trimmed way down from that. So this is just going to be a very small wall hanging. It is going to be basically a whole cloth quilt. Um, I've got my hand dies, is the background and the backing. And then I'm going to uh, put a word in the middle of it, actually two words, well, a word and two numbers, and then do all the filler background stitching behind it. And then I might do some... Um, use some paint sticks or some painting on it to really highlight, especially the word. Um, I do now have the word outlined. I got that done uh, this morning. I was actually going to get it done yesterday. I had a couple of hours between work and when I knew we were going to be doing dinner, and I sat down to do it. Now, mind you, Thursday afternoon, I had had um, two and a half hours. I was able to stop work two and a half hours early in the afternoon because I had had a conference call the night before that all in took two and a half hours between getting things set up, having the call, and then doing, I tended to end up doing the notes for this particular group afterwards, all that kind of thing. So anyway, I had two and a half hours. I was able to end work two and a half hours early, and I spent that whole time on my sewing machine working on my craftsy class project, which is all free motion quilting. It went beautifully. No issues with the machine at all. No, it, it, you know, I don't have any eyelashing or anything like that at this point. I've gotten pretty good at that. Um, there were no tension issues, nothing. Shut down my machine, you know, go have dinner, watch TV, go to sleep, get up the next day, work through the day. After I'm done with work, I turn my machine back on. I go to start working on doing the word in the middle of this whole cloth quilt, my machine freaks out. <laughs> I don't know. Still, I don't know what happened. It was, the tension was all over the place. And it, to the point where I had these huge nests on the back of the, the thing. Now here's famous last words. I had been working along. I didn't see anything going wrong on the top. Everything sounded beautifully. I wasn't hearing anything wrong. I'm going along. I get the whole first word done 
and famous last words. Oh, that worked pretty well. <laughs> that went more smoothly than I thought it was going to. And then I flip it over and look at the back. And I just see this mass of loopy threads just all over the place. So I took, you know, probably 20 minutes or so. I got to use my new electric uh, seam ripper thing. I just basically shaved the, <laughs> the back of the quilt with it. And, but I then still had to go in with my regular seam ripper to pull some stuff out too. So after about 20 minutes, finally got all the threads out and off the quilt and everything cleaned up. And then I took one of my practice sandwiches and I kept testing and I tried, I re-threaded it probably 15 different times. I pulled everything out. I tried different thread, different bobbin to see whether it was the thread that was the problem. Um, changed my bobbin case from my regular bobbin case to my free motion bobbin case. Nothing, everything was was still bizarre. Even going back to my regular um, Aurifil thread, Aurifil bobbin, that's always worked beautifully for me. It was all over the place. So I was convinced I was going to have to take my machine in um, for repairs. That Now, mind you, it's probably, this machine is probably somewhere between 10 and 15 years old now. I've had it for about five years. My mom had it for some indeterminate period before that. Um, never had a problem, ever. So the fact that I was going to have to take it in for repairs was annoying, but I was like, well, you know, it's probably about time. <laughs> With, with how much the use this machine has gotten. Um, I also vacuumed out. That was the other thing I did. I also used my little mini vacuum attachments and really cleaned out the whole bobbin area as best I could. So I knew I did everything I'd known how to do. Could not figure out the problem. Finally decided I need to just walk away, go have a glass of wine on the patio, <laughs> do fine. Um, then this morning... I get up, I decide, okay, well, I've got some errands to run this morning, but let me quickly run a quick machine test before I go so that I know whether I'm going to have to take this in today, which, you know, would have to rearrange my schedule in my day. I sat down at my machine, re-threaded it with the same thread it had in there yesterday. It worked fine. Everything was beautiful. I, <laughs> I have no clue whatsoever. Apparently, it just wanted a rest. Apparently using it for two and a half hours on Thursday, it was like, hey, I'm done. I need a day off. I am so not sewing for you today, lady. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I'm not going to complain. It worked beautifully today. I was able to get the words done on the whole cloth and then set it aside so I could go back to the craftsy class because the next step I have to do on the whole cloth is I think I'm going to draw myself out um, some of the larger designs I want to do on it and then I'll do filler around it. So, um, anyway, that's that's how my life has been going these last few days. The craftsy class, what I do is I sit down and I do whatever I'm supposed to be doing on that next. That gets me loosened up to then go work on the whole cloth world, word quilt. So the two of them are really um, working very nicely together. Um, it's a nice synchronicity in my quilty life, so that helps. So that's my Sandy update. Um, let me talk about my product reviews and book reviews. Um, the first one I want to talk about is Gloria Luffman, and I've been practicing pronouncing her name correctly. Um, I had gotten a book out of the library twice in a row, and I hadn't even realized I'd gotten it out twice until I sat down to look at it. I was like, oh, yes, I remember this book now. There's a reason I got it out twice. It's a beautiful book, and it is Gloria Luffman's Radiant Landscapes, and this is um, C&T Publishing, published in 2013. 
uh, after I had taken it out of the library twice, I happened to see it one time when I was at Joanne's and I had a coupon, so I, I went ahead and bought it. Um, it is, all the quilts in here are just beautiful examples of luminosity, which I believe is, might be why I took it out of the library in the first place, because it was one we we're working on um, in our design study group on luminosity. This book, what she does is she has landscape quilts, but they all have um, in common the way she does the background. She does a tiled background. So she cuts squares or rectangles or diamonds and then tiles them as the background. And the way she does it and her use of color is just phenomenal. They are just gorgeous. And as a hand dyer, I was immediately struck by this and saying, this would be a fantastic way to use my hand dyed fabrics. Well, sure enough, in the middle of the book, she has a few pages, not very much, but a little bit about hand dyeing fabric and painting fabric. Um, this is not a book you would want to get if you're wanting to learn how to dye. Um, she does talk about how to do it, but I'm not sure if you'd never dyed before. I don't know how helpful this would be if you would really be able to learn how to do it from this. Maybe you could. Um, but for me, what I took from it, having already hand dyed, is she's got a, a great list of different colors um, and what they're named, depending on the manufacturer who's or the distributor who's selling them. Because you can have one color, but it can be named a different thing by every person who sells it. Um, so that's a helpful chart. And then she has some descriptions of the way she lays, you know, man manipulates her fabric and lays it out. And I've been looking at that and kind of thinking, you know, okay, there's a way I haven't tried yet. Let me do that. She also talks a little bit about painting fabric. Um, but again, that's maybe five, six pages right in the middle of the book. For the most part, it's all about the you know, constructing the landscape quilts themselves. So anybody can use this book, whether or not you're a hand dyer. Um, it is just beautiful. I haven't actually used the technique yet, but I keep looking at the book because it is such eye candy. It's just really gorgeous. So I do highly recommend this book, especially if you're into landscapes or um, if you have a bunch of hand dyes or batiks that you're not entirely sure how to use. This is a great idea for um, ways to go about doing them. So again, that's Gloria Luffman, Radiant Landscapes by CNT Publishing, 2013. It is beautiful. I highly recommend that one. Another book that I bought the same day, because I had another coupon um, from Joanne's, I had never seen before, and I just picked it up um, as a spur of the moment. I actually tend not to do that. I tend to look up books a little bit first and look at reviews and such, but I was kind of just in the mood. <laughs> so I bought this one. It's called The Complete Photo Guide to Art Quilting, um, edited, compiled by Susan Stein. And the points on the front say, all you need to know to design and create unique art quilts, the essential reference for novice and experienced quilters, hundreds of inspiring examples from noted artists, detailed instructions for all art quilting techniques. Now, right away, you know, that's a bit of an exaggeration because there's no way in a single book you can have detailed instructions for all art quilting techniques. Now, what I will say, um, this is a thick book. It is 220... Well, if you don't count the index or the resources page, 219 pages, and then a little bit at the end, um, which is a not an insignificant book. Gorgeous photos. I mean, again, beautiful eye candy, all sorts of visual inspiration in this book. It does walk through everything from setting up your studio, choosing what format your finished product might take, what size, shape, etc., choosing what techniques you're going to use. 
It does go through the basic design principles. It does have a variety of ideas for inspiration. It includes five projects. Now, I'm not one, you know, for me, an art quilt, the whole point of it is not to replicate something else you've just seen. But if if you need something like that to just get you started, um, and that's how she puts it, you know, in the thing. If you've never done this before, here's five projects that'll kind of get you used to a, a bunch of different techniques. I didn't actually spend a lot of time looking at the projects themselves, because again, that's not what I get this book for. And then she does go through finishing techniques, which includes quilting by hand or machine, embellishing, beads, paint, etc., different binding and edge finishes, um, different ways you might be able to hang your quilt, you know, create the sleeves, etc. And then it's got 30 pages worth of a gallery and several, you know, that's several quilts on a single gallery and nice descriptions of each one and some things to kind of pay attention to in them and that kind of thing. It does cover a whole lot and it does have detailed instructions for some things, but it really doesn't go into depth on much of anything. So I'm looking at this book. I do keep kind of going back to it and flipping through it and spending a little more time in different sections. Um, I wouldn't want this to be the only quilt I, or only book I ever owned on art quilting, but I do think it's a decent one. It's probably a good one maybe to get you started. Um, if you're unfamiliar with, you know, what is the great big world of art quilting, this gives you a really good overview of a whole lot of different things that can be involved. Um, so I'm not saying not to get it. I'm not saying run out and buy it tomorrow. Um, but it is great eye candy. I mean, like I said, I do keep going back and looking at it. And it wasn't as expensive as you would think for that big, I guess, let's see, the list price is $25. And again, I had a coupon because it was at Joanne's. Um, so again, that's the Complete Photo Guide to Art Quilting by Susan Stein. Um, oh, and it's Creative Publishing International 2012. So it's, again, a fairly new book. Maybe it's just because I have so many art quilt books already, my bar is a little bit higher. Again, it, you know, it's a perfectly good book. Um, it didn't seriously jazz me, but it does have a lot of nice visual inspiration. So I guess I would give that, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd give it maybe a 7. Whereas the Gloria Luffman book would get, you know, 12 or 13. <laughs> That's a beautiful book. Um, the third book I just got this week, and I talked earlier about the fact that I was ordering this, um, in my current Angela Walters kick, I already own two of her books, and I just ordered her newest book, and it finally came out because I'd pre-ordered it. This is the Free Motion Quilting Workbook. And I found myself a little bit disappointed when I got this. Um, it's published by Stash Books. Again, it just came out, I think, in May. Uh, list price was $17. I probably paid a little less for that on Amazon. I don't exactly remember because, again, I had pre-ordered it. I, it's... If I didn't already own her other books, maybe I would have found it more different. <laughs> it's it's definitely a rehash of what she already has in her other books. The benefit to this one is it's got graph paper, and she kind of walks you through how she breaks down a quilt, how she figures out what design she wants to put where. And you can hear me turning the pages. It is spiral bound, which is nice. Um, so like in this chapter that I'm flipping through right now, she talks about blocks and looking at how to quilt a block. And are you going to choose to quilt a block as an individual unit? Are you going to break that block down into components and quilt the different components differently? Are you going to do, you know, are you going to look at several blocks together? So she kind of walks through the thinking process for that, which is very helpful information, but it's similar to what I've seen in other books. 
but then she does provide some graph paper with some outlines on it for you to kind of practice your own. So like this page I'm looking at now, there's two squares at the top, three triangles of different angles in the middle, and then a long rectangle at the bottom. So you can kind of play around with different types of quilting designs you might put in those areas. And then she talks about borders, and then there's a couple of pages of graph paper with um, various border shapes kind of drawn on it to, again, give you the guide of how to do it. Um, and then the whole back half of the book is just graph paper for you to practice with. So if I didn't already own her other books, I probably would have found this more useful. What I did kind of feel like is I just paid a whole lot of money for graph paper. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I came down to with this. Um, and I know I can get graph paper more cheaply. So it, I, I, I've got real, I'm kind of thumbs in the middle, you know, not quite thumbs up, not quite thumbs down with this. And I, I think that's just because, you know, when somebody puts out so many books in such a short period of time, it's just going to be finding, you know, saying the same thing over again, maybe just in a slightly different format. I found free motion quilting and in the studio far more useful in terms of looking at quilting designs and that kind of thing. But that's not what this book is trying to be. This book is trying to get you used to sketching out designs. And in that regard, it does work. Um, but just know that in this book, which is about, well, it doesn't even have a page count. There's 45 pages of, well, even less than that, probably 35 pages of content. And then the rest of it is graph paper. So it kind of depends on what you're looking at. Um, now I know Nitty AJ of The Quilting Pot got her book the same day I got mine because it got released and we had both pre-ordered it. Um, she had not had a chance to really look at it. I had said I was going to be reviewing it in this episode, so I'll be anxious to hear what she thinks about it. She may enjoy it more. I don't know how many of Angela Walter's other books she has. I do think I'll use this book. Um, I will use the graph paper. I will use the sketches. I'll practice some of the border designs and such that she suggests. Uh, so, you know, it's not like I'm upset that I spent the money. And again, when it comes to a book, it's not a hugely expensive one, but you know, you are kind of just buying a lot of graph paper. So just be aware of that if you decide to order it. The couple of products I've used um, recently were just because I had them and I found a way I could test them out. So the first one is Sulky's Sticky Fabra Salvi. Um, Sulky does a lot of different water-soluble stabilizers. I've used several of their products in the past. This one is, it's a brand new product and it was being promoted um, at Lancaster. It was one of the products talked about in one of the kind of round robin things where you hear a lot of people talking about different techniques and stuff that we went to. And they talked about the sticky fab Fabrisalvi. And so I went ahead and bought some to try it out. What it is, is it's a self-adhesive water-soluble stabilizer. It has a little bit more of a fabric feel to it. Um, the other water-soluble stabilizer I've used has been kind of a transparent uh, film kind of thing. This one actually is self-adhesive. It's got more of a paper feel to it, and you can run it through your printer. And that's exactly why I got it. It's um, sold in 8.5 by 11 sheets. I think you can also buy it on a roll. I just bought the, the package of the sheets. And I used it for my test... Um, oh, what am I calling it? My test practice piece for my word quilt. I found the font. I 
put the word, you know, I used Publisher or something like that to choose the words I was going to do, lay them out, choose the font, create it as an outline um, font, and then printed it on a piece of the sticky Fabrisolvi. And then you just pull the adhesive off the back, slap it down on your fabric, and sew over the design. <laughs> it was so stinking easy. It worked beautifully. Um, you know, again, I just, I had the printed design right, I didn't have to worry about reversing anything or creating stencil or anything like that. I just put it right on the piece of fabric, sewed over it, and then I kind of pulled off uh, the extra around the edges and cut that off and tossed it out. And then you just soak it in water to dissolve the rest of it, which I did do. I didn't really, since it was just a practice piece of fabric, I just soaked it just to kind of see how long it would take. I actually ended up forgetting it was in the sink and it was in there overnight. <laughs> And I probably really, if I really wanted to get it all out of there, would need to now go hand wash it or um, or run it through a washing machine or something. Because you can still feel a little bit of that stabilizer in there, in the fabric. But since it was just a practice piece of fabric, I didn't even worry about it. Um, but I really, I love this product. I can see myself using it for other similar kinds of things. I did not ultimately end up using it for my final project um, that I'm working on with the whole cloth word quilt because I'm not positive I'm going to be washing that piece. So I decided not to use anything that I would, you know, then have to wash it. Um, so I, I used a different technique for putting the words on that quilt. But again, this is, it's a wonderful um, stabilizer. It was a little bit of a heavier stabilizer, certainly than the film transparencies I've used. Um, they suggest using it for hand embroidery, punch needle, cross stitch, quilting, um, oh, all sorts of things. They have all sorts of ideas for ways you can use it. Um, it, it is a little bit pricier, so it's not something you'd probably be, you know, running through like paper towel, but it's still, it was a very good product. I really liked using it. Sticky Fabra Salvi um, by Sulky. And if I remember, I'll try to stick a link to it if I can find it online somewhere. Um, I, I really like that product a lot. The other thing I've had kicking around for a while, and I finally just decided to use it today, um, is water-soluble thread to use for basting. Um, I, I discovered I had two spools of it, which I hadn't realized, so apparently I bought it two different times, thinking, oh, this would be good to test. One was YLA, YLI brand. The other one is Superior brand called Vanish Light. Um, the YLI, I don't remember that it had any particular name to it. Um, I put it in the bobbin. The YLI, I realized, was actually just a test sample because I ran out of it halfway through <laughs> what I was basting. So then I, I was glad I had the superior version because I just threw that on and finished off. I'm using it on my Craftsy projects. Um, I realized after I'd already pretty much done all the quilting in the center that I had never... Uh, quilted the borders down so I'd never stabilized it <laughs> and now I'm getting to the point where I'm working on the borders so um, I know I, I should have actually just used regular thread to do the outline around the borders but I decided I would go ahead and use this um, the water soluble stuff just to see how it works um, I haven't obviously I've not finished the project so I've not tried to wash it yet but I will say using it like thread it worked beautifully I had it went through my machine no problem um, it, no breakage, anything. It just acted like regular thread. It's thinner than regular thread, um, but it just, it worked beautifully. So, so far, I'm a fan. 
uh, again, this is water soluble. So if you used this to baste a quilt, and I might, if I actually have enough left on the superior one, I might use it to baste whatever my next quilt is, um, because those will, my next several, I am planning on washing. Um, you just use it to baste it. You don't have to worry about sewing over the thread or anything, because then when you throw it in the washing machine, supposedly, it all comes out. Now, I will be testing it, because when I get done with this um, Craftsy project, project I will then throw it in the washing machine just to see how the the soluble thread actually solubles <laughs> how it actually dilutes uh, so right now I'm giving you a recommendation based on the fact that I've halfway used it I have not tried to dissolve it but I don't see any I've never had something that's supposed to dissolve not dissolve um, I have had stuff that's had kind of you know residual effects that take a while to wash out so that's the only thing I would be watching for this but again it's so thin that I can't imagine it's going to get a whole lot of gunk in the fabric um, and I'm not using enough of it that I'm I'm worrying about it doesn't seem to have any sort of coating or anything that's going to gunk up my machine at all so I'm not worried about that either so again that's water soluble basting thread um, both brands YLI and Superior I've noticed no difference between the two whatsoever so far um, unfortunately I will never remember which corners of the quilt were which brand to know if I see any difference in the way they dissolve in the washing machine um, but I'm not overly worried about that either later editorial comment as I listen back to what I had recorded yesterday I actually put the basting thread the water soluble basting thread in both the it was in the bobbin as well as being on the spool going through the top needle as well I thought that might be a little confusing for those of you who only heard me reference putting it in the bobbin and wondered what I was doing I did have it on both top and bottom so that's all the product stuff I've got to tell you right now let me pull up my listener feedback and see what we can do about that Okay, I'm going to try to respond to some of these, at least in some sort of order that makes sense. I will not be able to respond to everybody because it's been a little while since I've done listener feedback. Um, so I've got too many to go through everybody. I always, always appreciate the comments. I want to say thank you, first of all, to Lauren or Patched Pastor, who sent me an email to talk about a website called colorlovers.com. Color spelled the British way, C-O-L-O-U-R-L-O-V-E-R-S.com. Um, and she said it's a great website for those who enjoy playing with color. Uh, she's still messing around with it, so she hasn't learned everything it can do yet. But you can import a photograph, and it creates a color palette based on that photograph. You then have the option of choosing single bits of that photo that you really like and isolating that color. So it sounds like it's similar to the palettes um, app that I use on my iPad. But I don't remember that I can choose just one part of a photo in isolating that color. So that's pretty cool. I've not had an opportunity to play with the website yet, um, but I will definitely be trying to do that. Lauren said she imported the image of a fabric that she's considering for a baby quilt and was able to isolate five colors out of the fabric in order to create a palette so that she can then, she says, I then send that palette to my phone so I'll have it when I go to the quilt store. Um, or she can send it to Spoonflower and design new fabric in those colors, which is, as she says, way beyond cool, which I agree. Um, <laughs> she says, or I can put the palette on Pinterest and let the new mom-to-be look at the colors and voice an opinion without giving away the secret sauce of the actual fabric. Um, so yeah, that sounds like serious fun, and I'm looking forward to playing with it. Again, everybody, that's Color Lovers, C-O-L-O-U-R-L-O-V-E-R-S dot com. Um, 
I'm looking forward to going and playing with it. Maybe I'll do it tonight when I'm done sewing. Um, and Carol pointed me to a blog. Um, <laughs> I love the name. Grumpyandmad.blogspot.com of a uh, textile artist who has started an online magazine or a webzine. Um, and so I will try to remember to put the link to that uh, because she actually emailed it to me. It's not in a comment. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes to this episode as well. I glanced at it. I have not had time to sit down and really read it yet. Um, but thank you, Carol, for letting me know about that. Um, I got an email from listener Sandy, spelled the same way as my name is. Very cool. And she was uh, curious because she's considering a mid-arm machine because she's been sending a lot of her larger quilts out to a long armor and she's thinking it's getting kind of expensive. Um, She can do smaller quilts on her domestic, but she's really kind of starting to explore the possibility of a mid-arm machine. So she was asking if I knew anything about them, which I don't. Uh, But I said I would ask my listeners. So if any of you out there have um, own a mid-arm machine or have done research, please leave comments on this episode for Sandy, the other Sandy listener, Sandy with the Y also. And we will make sure we convey that information to her. So help her shop, folks. <laughs> and after I whined quite a bit about doing the scrap bag, um, Another of the Twilters, Tammy, had posted pictures on Twitter of the one that she did that she also hated every minute of doing. But she says, "Um, I have you beat on making a poor decision. As you can see, this pattern was even more fiddly. And she says, I guarantee you I didn't get it done in three hours. And this one, I think if I remember the Twitter conversation, this might be an Amy Butler pattern. Tammy, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it's the same basic idea of the one that I did with the, you know, the weighted pin cushion that sits on the counter and then the, um, or the cabinet and then the scrap bag that hangs underneath it. But her pin cushion is actually a flower with petals and everything. <laughs> so yes, Tammy does have me beat in choosing a far more complicated pattern and equally hated doing it. Thank you to Pratima for her comment and Shelly Beth, who says she's never bought a charm pack. Boy, do you have to fix that. Um, and Kati, these are all folks who are loving the pattern from Jackie of So Excited um, Quilt Designs. Um, and Jackie also commented that she loved the colors I chose to make that design. And she says, why does fabric mock us? Sometimes it's fabric I need to cut to, in order to use, and it just stares at me and says, I dare you, go ahead and make that first cut. Let me see if you can really do it. That said, it's good to get our fabric under submission, isn't it? (laughs) I I was entertained by that comment. Jackie, thank you. And thank you to Lori and to Arna, uh, who is a fairly newish listener. Um, So thank you for coming on board. Really appreciate it. And I'm glad I go on your walks with you. And thank you to AJ Dub. Um, I'm going to try not to repeat names. Thank you also to Lisa, who said... She's hoping she'll get back to sewing now that her sewing room renovation is complete. So I'm thinking we need to see pictures of the completed renovation. Um, Thank you for, uh, to Colleen who loved the border fabric on my disappearing pinwheel. And I agree. Oh, and by the way, speaking of that disappearing pinwheel, I am going to the graduation party this afternoon for the young woman 
who is going to be getting that quilt. So it'll be finally, it's in the dryer right now. I ran it through the wash today. So it'll be all nice and soft and clean to give to her. I'm just hoping I have a gift bag big enough for it. <laughs> I forgot to check before I went to the grocery store this morning. Um, and thank you to Jay and Vicki, who says, the binding looks great. What's the secret to get both front and back seams matching up? And this was actually, we ended up having a conversation about this on Twitter too, although I don't remember if Vicki was a part of it. Other people were about doing machine uh, bindings completely by machine. And that's where you sew them on the back, you bring it over to the front, and then you stitch it down on the front. The secret is going really slow. What you have to do if you don't want to have two seams on the back is you've got to line up when you're sewing the binding over to the front, you've got to line it up so your needle is going right in that same seam from where you sewed it onto the back. And that means just going a few inches at a time and a few inches at a time and making sure that your binding is not covering that seam but is just coming right up against it and that's why I found for me the best stitch to use on my machine is the blanket stitch or I guess it's also called buttonhole I've only ever known it is the blanket stitch that's the decorative stitch I use um, to attach my binding so that the the part that goes along the edge is going right into the seam and then it's only the the part that comes over to the right um, well the way I'm doing it it jumps over to the right to catch the binding and goes back and then it goes long, you know, a couple stitches along the seam, jumps over to the right to catch the binding and goes back. Um, you really do have to go just a few inches at a time. So although it's still faster than doing it by hand, it's slower than you think it's going to be because you've really got to watch what you're doing. Um, but I've gotten pretty good at it. So, and then the other thing I have found is when I come up to the corner, I no longer try to go around the corner because I did that the first couple times when I'm doing it on the front. Um, I tried to approach it the way I do. Um, well, I, I, I tried to approach it the way I do it by hand, only on the reverse. And I found it really didn't work. My corners often looked wonky. So now I come right up to the corner. I stop. I shoot around the corner, reline it up, start the corner again. And then I go back in and I hand tack down the mitered edge there. And that just works much better for me. So that's my little brief tutorial on doing a machine binding. Uh, thank you to Quilt and Jenny. Uh, these were all comments on my Scrap of Bonzitude finish. <laughs> thank you to Aussie Pip for the name. Um, again, I'm skipping people who have already commented on other things. Thank you to Vivian. And she says she's printed out all the instructions and they're stored in a nice binder, hoping she one day she'll get to do them up into a quilt. You really need to check out the Flickr group and see everybody's scrapitudes because although you can tell they're all the same block for the most part, they all look so different because of the colors that are used. It's really, really cool. And on mine, I have to say, it's really that border fabric that just pulled everything together and just made it pop. So I was very pleased with that. Um, thank you to Bio Liz or Bo Liz and Marianne and Jean and Very Lazy Daisy, who is still working on finishing hers, at least when she left this comment she was, and to Noni. And then on another blog post, uh, Jennifer, who says she is working her way through the 57 UFOs she inherited three years ago when a dear quilting friend passed away. She also inherited her whole stash, which finished, which filled her minivan twice. Um, she says, like, like you, there are some I'm not tackling, but it's been a nice way to build my skills, practice my machine quilting, and give some of her handmade work back to her family. 
Uh, so this was in response to my uh, blog post on another Mamufo complete and not by me, where a friend of mine finished one of my mother's UFOs. Uh, you go back to my blog to read the story. Um, and thank you to Susan, who said that was just the story she needed to read as her mother passed away seven years ago today on the day that she left the comment. She said, I'm fortunate to have wonderful memories of my mom also. Um, and it is, you know, having those quilts kind of makes you feel closer. Um, Trish wanted to know how that beautiful quilt started out as a round UFO. And you know what? I, I really can't, I'm having problems picturing it as well. And I, it, because it was several years ago now that I last saw that before I handed it off to a woman in my guild. And I'm wondering if there are pieces that my friend took out um, that didn't make it into the finished project because it was log cabin blocks, but somehow it was circular or octagonal or something. It was, it was roundish. <laughs> I don't really remember exactly how it was roundish. And thank you to Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner um, and to Lori who was appreciated um, that I said that my golden retriever said happy birthday to her golden retriever. And, um, oh, Jay left a comment on episode 156 in which I have another finish said, I get the whole processing internally thing with art quilts. The design process of art quilts feels a lot less linear to me. I find myself tossing and slashing art quilts much more than pieced quilts. Sometimes I have to do something drastic, including starting over to move the art quilt forward. I don't think I've posted as many art quilts on my blog as I haven't been doing as many in recent years, but they're not dead in my quilting life, just perhaps on hiatus or taking a different route. Um, and that's in response to what I had said about my art quilt map, which I don't want to say is really stalled, but it's definitely still in a kind of brewing phase where I do keep looking at it, but I haven't figured out where to go from here. Um, so when I get through some of these other projects that are more imminent, I might go back to that one and just start doing something drastic and seeing what happens. Um, and thank you for Quilt and Jenny, who also buys fiddly stuff rather than, <laughs> rather than making it. Um, and Emily Watt, who left me, uh, she talked about Dr. Seuss quilts, and she made a matching one for her oldest son when he was in kindergarten and his teacher, which is really a cute idea. And she left a link to a Facebook um, which I'm assuming is the photos, uh, photos of the quilts, but unfortunately the link didn't work for me on the day I used it. I'm going to try it again, maybe just copy and paste it directly into the browser to see if I can get it working that way. Um, <laughs> and Jackie said on my blog post about hand-dyed results, I will not take up dyeing, I will not take up dyeing, I will not take up dyeing. Uh, she's going to at some point. Thank you to Bethany, who got into dyeing last year by growing indigo and using it to dye some fabrics blue. And then in the fall, she dyed some fabric brown using walnuts. Natural dyes are pretty in their own way, but I'm excited to try the Procyon brighter colors. Um, I just got some dye books out of the library, and one of them was all natural dyes, which I'm interested in doing, but... First of all, a lot of those plants I can't get at around here. And secondly, it's just a much more time-intensive process and less color range um, because you're mostly going to get browns, greens, yellows, light light pastel colors. There's some bluish, but not a lot. Um, so I'm, I, I don't know that that's something I'm going to do really soon, but I, I have looked into it a little bit. But I think I need to get... I want to keep getting better at the dyeing I'm doing now, as well as get into using the acid dyes for wool and fibers and such like that. 
Um, let's see. Lots of people enjoyed our my pictures from my trip to uh, Stratford, and I had to giggle at the comment from Marge in Alberta, who said she grew up in eastern Canada, Quebec, and went to university in Montreal and have seen much of southern Ontario, but she has never been to Stratford. Uh, she did see the Stratford Theatre Company when they traveled to Montreal, and she was able to see a couple of the Shakespeare plays there. And she said, William Shatner and Christopher Plummer have both been Stratford players at one time or another. I never saw William Shatner. I did see Christopher Plummer. He was just there uh, three years ago, maybe. It was fairly recent. And my husband and I went to see him. He was in Antony and Cleopatra. And the, the funny thing about this is Antony and Cleopatra is actually a Shaw play, George Bernard Shaw. And we were at the Shaw Festival in Niagara-on-the-Lake, and we drove to Stratford to see a Shaw play, <laughs> which was just... That was kind of one of those, you know, interesting little mild ironies. Uh, but Christopher Plummer was amazing. He was so, so good in that. Oh, my word. And the young woman who played Cleopatra, whose name I don't know, she wasn't a known actress. She was one of their players, was also really, really, really good. That was just probably one of the favorite plays I've seen in a while. Um, but unfortunately now, Marge lives way over in Alberta. <laughs> So I doubt she's going to get to Stratford anytime soon. Um, I did include, um, oh, and Jen lives 20 minutes from Stratford and said, I go to the festival way more than I than she does. Um, and that not that true that like Niagara Falls, you know, I went to Niagara Falls a few times growing up and as an adult, but it's not because it's kind of in my backyard. It's only an hour away, so I don't make a big deal to get there. Um, but a lot of people are like, oh, you got to go to Niagara Falls and everything. It's when something is close by, you tend to take it for granted. And so you don't go as much. For us, Stratford feels like a vacation because we're actually going somewhere. It's a three and a half to four hour drive for us, but it's close enough that it's easy to get to for a weekend. So it does feel like vacation, but it's an easy vacation. If I only live 20 minutes from it, I don't know if we'd go as often. Well, probably we would because we're huge fans. But anyway, um, and thank you to Joe, who said you had a great weekend weather-wise here in Ontario. She's another Ontario person. It was beautiful weather, and everybody, you know, whenever we commented on it to wait staff and restaurants and stuff, they're like, yeah, it's been really rainy. It's been great to get outside. So, yes, we were very fortunate in the weather we had. Um, thank you to Sally, who commented on my retreat report about the Quick Ripper. She said, I bought my Quick Ripper at a show two years ago. That's the electric razor ripper, seam ripper. She says, I love it. I use it a lot. And on most seams, I have to rip. It doesn't work for all seams. Every once in a while, I've caught the fabric in the ripper and cut my fabric, but I've done the same being heavy handed with the standard ripper. I have exactly done the same, Sally. Um, she says, also, which I had not thought about, she says, you can harness its cutting abilities for trimming the batting out of the seam allowance for quilt as you go, after you've done the quilting and sewn blocks together. It's also helpful if you have to rip out quilting. Um, she says, I only rip out quilting if there's a technical reason, such as eyelashing or bird's nesting. And she also says it's large enough that I don't lose it like my conventional seam rippers. And she, like, it is her favorite seam ripper. And I will say I definitely love it. I'd never thought about using it to trim batting out of seam allowances. Amy also loves her tackle box. She uh, used one that was her first aid kit once upon a time, but she found one that's pink and big enough. So she um, is using that now. Um, 
thank you to Kay who sent me this. This is a long ago email. I'm sorry because I was so far behind. Uh, she heard me say that I sew on a Janome 6600, and she also has a weakness for craftsy classes. So she was talking about Jackie Gearing's creative quilting with your walking foot class. And in the class, um, Jackie analyzes a Bernina walking foot. So Amy went through, I'm sorry, Kay went through and analyzed in the same way the Janome walking foot and emailed me the measurements. <laughs> so if I end up taking this class, I'll have that same information, which I really appreciated. And I sent her a very thankful email. Um, that is not a class I've bought yet, but like I said, I'm working on, you know, working through some of the classes I already own. That is one I've put on my wish list. So um, thank you so much, Kay, for that picture and all the measurements. And it will certainly come in helpful when I do end up taking that class, because I'm sure um, I will. Shelly Bath, uh, Shelly Bath, Shelly Beth <laughs> had emailed me with some ideas about um dyeing and using resists and uh, stretching fabric over a box, which I have not done yet. I've seen it in books. I've not done that technique. I tend to just tape it down to a table, but I know if I stretch it over a box so there's air under the fabric, the resist would behave differently, and I just haven't gotten around to doing it that way, but I really appreciated Shelly Beth's... Ins I did it again. Why am I doing that? Shelly Beth. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know why I keep misspelling that or missaying it. Um, anyway, uh, so thank you so much for your ideas, and you have inspired me that I really do. I need to get a frame or something that I can just start um, stapling my fabric to when I'm trying to use resist, because I do think it would work better. Um, and a note, I did put this out on my blog, but the Fiber Artist Guide uh, by Heather Thomas is back in stock. It's back available again. That's the book that my um, design study group has been using for the last year. It is probably right now ranked as my favorite design type quilt book. Um, and go to my blog because I did, I just put a link to where it is and everything in a blog post this last week. Um, again, I'm recording this on May 28th, 2014. If you're listening to this sometime in the distant future, you have to go back to sometime just prior to May 28th, 2014 to find the information in my blog. It is a great book. I really, really um, really highly recommend it. And just the last listener comment that I will talk back to is Laura, you're welcome. And that's all I need to say. So that's it for this episode. Boy, I got through everything and it's under an hour. So I'm going to end really, really fast. Thank you so much for listening. You know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Flickr, all of those places. I am Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Please do love to see your pictures. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team, do good all over the world. And you can follow the blog by email or in Feedly or any other blog reader. And you will find links for all of those things on my website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.